Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. Also read my regular CBSSports.com column, um, Agents Take on NFL Salary Cap and Contract Matters. Um, This time around, we're going to be looking at players who capitalized on their contract year and those who didn't. And before we get started on those guys, there's one guy in particular I want to address because of his uh, situation. Um, Chris Godwin, Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver, was having an excellent contract year before tearing the uh, ACL and MCL on his right knee in the 14th game of the regular season. He had 98 catches, 1,103 receiving yards and five touchdowns. Knee injury should pretty much take a second franchise tag out of the equation. He's planning to win this year for $15.983 million. 20% raise. The second one would be $19,179,600. Injuries in a contract year, particularly a serious one, used to be the kiss of death of injury. It used to be the kiss of death in free agency. Um, I've been through this situation before. With worse timing, where it still wasn't the kiss of death, and that was a long time ago. I helped represent a linebacker, Ed McDaniel, for the Minnesota Vikings. And the Minnesota Vikings had a great season, looked like they were poised to go to the Super Bowl um, in 1998, the 1998 season. So they're playing in the NFC Championship game against the Falcons. Ed McDaniel tears the ACL in his right knee. In the NFC Championship game. He went to the Pro Bowl that year. I had already knew the Cleveland Browns were ready to do whatever they needed to to get Ed McDaniel. They'd ask for like a ballpark figure. Yes, this is tampering. They didn't balk at it. <laughs> so I was sick to my stomach when Ed tears his ACL in the NFC Championship game. And back then... Free agency wasn't in March. Free agency was a couple of weeks after the Super Bowl. Um, you had the Pro Bowl, which happened after the Super Bowl, and free agency started um, in February. So he was barely going to be out of surgery by the time free agency started. Now, other teams weren't interested. But Minnesota signed him to a deal, which at the time, $4.5 million a year on a five-year contract. wasn't quite structured the way we wanted it to be. But it was better than a guy who was 30 years old doing a one-year prove-it deal. Now, I say that because that was a long time ago. And we've seen in recent years, particularly knee injuries, that players still get paid their full market value or close to it. I think if there's going to be any type of hit for Chris Godwin, it'll be more structurally than financially. We saw last year that Bud Dupree tore his ACL in early December while playing out a franchise tag for the Steelers. Went to the Tennessee Titans, $82.5 million over five years. Max is at 85 through incentives. $35 million in guarantees, $33.75 million fully guaranteed. 
we saw a few years ago Allen Robinson. Different timing, tears his ACL in the first game of the regular season in 2017 with the Jaguars. Goes to the Bears for $43 million over three years. Um, $25.2 million guarantees, $18 million fully guaranteed at signing. And he's bounced back enough from the ACL where he's playing under franchise tag this year. Uh, Godwin, even though the timing of the ACL may not miss any games next year. Wes Welker in 2010 tore his ACL at the end of the 2009, um, excuse me, in 2009, tore his ACL at the end of the 2009 regular season. Was back, didn't miss a game in 2010. Wasn't the same player he was in 2009 statistically. By 2011, he had rebounded and he was a little bit older. He was uh, 28 in 2010, his first season back. Godwin um, turns 26 in February. And lastly, along those lines, Cooper Cup. When the Rams went to the Super Bowl, middle of November, tears his ACL. He's 25 years old, just like Godwin is now. Didn't miss a beat in 2019. Had a career year until this season. 94 catches, 1,161 yards, 10 touchdowns. Didn't miss a game. So, I think if you're going to sign Godwin long-term, you're looking at it that he's young. He's 25 right now, 26 in February. And you're looking at the big picture. Let's say it's a four-year deal. Maybe year one's not quite what it would be, but by year two, he should be back to doing Chris Godwin things, and you'll get the benefit of the deal or or what you anticipated. So we'll see how it works out for him. But um, I don't think that, it's going to be catastrophic for him in free agency because of the serious knee injury. Now, first guy I want to take a look at is J.C. Jackson, because this would be the guy, out of all the guys who've capitalized on a contract here, I'd be licking my chops to represent, because the big question with J.C. Jackson coming into the year is, could he be your number one corner? Stephon Gilmore started the season on PUP because of the quad Surgery injury from last year. Never played for the Patriots because they traded him early in the season. J.C. Jackson, proven he can be a number one corner. He was November's AFC Defensive Player of the Month. Nobody has more interceptions than J.C. Jackson over the past three years since 2019 season. He's got 22. He's second in the NFL this year with eight interceptions. Named to his first Pro Bowl in the AFC as a starter. So, um, if New England, if I'm J.C. Jackson, I'm jumping for joy if New England doesn't put a franchise tag on me. Um, franchise tag for cornerbacks should be, uh, I project it to $17.287 million at the 208.2 salary cap ceiling, which is where the cap should be ultimately set. Um, I look at Byron Jones, if I'm J.C. Jackson a couple of years ago, and I think I'm a better player than he is, he set the cornerback market at the time. Um, got a deal averaging $16.5 million per year for five years, $54.375 million in guarantees, $40 million fully guaranteed signing. I'm not setting my sights there. I'm looking at where the top of the market is. You've got Jalen Ramsey at $20 million per year. You've got Marlon Humphrey at $19.5 million per year. And you've got Marshawn Lattimore at $19.4 million per year. Whether I'm on the open market or I'm staying with the Patriots 
franchise tag or I re-sign, that's where he should be looking. Now, we saw the Patriots last year got, not last year, last week, got Adrian Phillips to take a deal which was surprisingly light. So if J.C. Jackson follows in Adrian Phillips' footsteps, then he may not get $15 million per year. But to me, he's done everything he, that is to stay put for the Patriots. He's done everything he needs to do in a contract year. So it's up to him to try to capitalize on it. Um, next guy I want to take a look at is Mike Williams. Um, started the year out on like a, house, like a house on fire. 22 receptions, 295 receiving yards, four touchdowns in the first three games. Hasn't quite been able to um, sustain that type of production, but he's still having a career year. Because um, Mike Williams, I think, has uh, 67 catches for 1,027 yards and eight touchdowns. So he's playing under a fifth-year option of $15.68 million. Um the Chargers going to have a ton of cap room. They could stick a franchise tag on him, but it would be $18.816 million. The idea is to keep talent around your potential superstar young quarterback in Justin Herbert while he's still cheapest. So that would be something I wouldn't rule out. Um, if I'm Mike Williams... I'm looking at Kenny Galladay last year, even though it was slow to develop his market in free agency, and he's getting $18 million per year or $40 million guarantees. I'm thinking, why not me? <laughs> I want to go to another skill position player, uh, Leonard Fournette. Fournette says he took a discount last year to come back, or this year to come back to the uh, Buccaneers to try to win another Super Bowl. Um He's been everything that Tampa's need him to be. Was supposed to be in a timeshare of Ronald Jones, but he's become the primary guy. Uh, when he sprained his ankle, he had 812 rushing yards, was right on pace to have a 1,000-yard rushing season. He was leading all running backs and receptions with 69, so he's a dual-threat running back. Um, he's never had a big payday. He came back this year on a one-year deal. For $3.25 million, maxes out at four of incentives. So, if I'm him, and Tampa doesn't win a Super Bowl, and the deck, to me, is stacked against them to repeat because of all the injuries, I'm trying to get my payday someplace. Um, the thing with running backs is they make a lot of money or they don't. You've got eight running backs with deals averaging $12 million per year or more, and then it drops to Melvin Gordon at eight. Um, $8 million per year. He has that two-year deal that's expiring at Denver, um, $16 million over two years. So I'm at least trying to get Melvin Gordon money if I'm Leonard Fournette. Um, he turns 27 in January, so it's kind of now or never time for him um, to try to get paid as far as I'm concerned. Um, free agency hasn't been kind to Devon, uh, Devondre Campbell. Two years ago, um, goes to Arizona, one-year deal for $6 million. Um, then this offseason, um, has a slow-developing market, doesn't sign with the Packers until June. My understanding was he was initially looking for 
something in the $10 million per year range, and the market never materialized at that level. So in June, one-year prove-it deal for $2 million of additional $500,000 in playtime incentives. He's got a legitimate gripe for not being a pro bowler. Um, he's been Green Bay's every-down linebacker. He was named NFC Defensive Player of the Month for October. I don't know if his previous two um, forays into free agency are going to impact his expectations and what he's looking for, but he's going to need the linebacker market to be a lot more like in 2020 than it was this past offseason because in 2021, you only had one off-ball linebacker get to $10 million per year, and that was uh, Matt Milano who resigned with the um, Buffalo Bills for $10.375 million per year. In 2020, you had five off-ball linebackers get to $10 million per year, hit that mark or get more. Jamie Collins, Corey Littleton, Blake Martinez, Joe Schobert, and Kyle Van Noy. So he's done everything he's needed to do. Um, we'll just see whether he finally gets his payday. Harold Landry, uh, the Titans outside linebacker, having a pretty good contract year. He's got 12 sacks, which ties him for ninth in the um, NFL. I think it's going to be hard for the Titans to keep him around <laughs> um, because of that Bud Dupree deal. Bud Dupree... <laughs> He's doing what Bud Dupree is supposed to do in terms of uh, production. That um, You're paying Bud Dupree, as I mentioned earlier, uh, $16.25 million per year, or $16.5 million per year, so you expect him to be the guy with 12 sacks, not uh, Harold Landry. So I think, and Dupree uh, had an ambitious uh, timetable, uh, uh, as it turns out, for his um, recovery. He thought he was going to be ready for the start of training camp, wouldn't miss a beat. But they kind of had to slow him down because of complications with the knee. And it's been on the COVID list um, as well. And then he had an abdominal injury. So he's just starting to round the corner recently, starting to generate some sacks. But still, if I'm Harold Landry and you're trying to keep me around in Tennessee, I want more than Bud Dupree. <laughs> um, on the open market, we saw – that's why they could franchise him, but the question is, do the Titans want to stick a franchise tag on Harold Landry for $18.702 million? Now, we saw last year that the um, edge rusher market went from anywhere from $13.5 million per year to $17 million per year. Um, there were a bunch of guys who fell in that category. Shaq Barrett got the high end at $17 million per year. If I'm Landry, I'm looking more towards the high end, like Leonard Leonard Little, not Leonard Little, Leonard Leonard, Leonard Floyd, got to 16 million per year to stay with the Rams. So, interestingly, interestingly, nobody got to where Trey Flowers got to um, a couple years ago. He signed for 18 million a year to go to the Lions. I don't think he's going to be in that deal next year. But I think if um, I'm Harold Landry, I'm probably. Th- have to prepare myself to go elsewhere and it's probably going to be uh, similar money to Dupree and trying to get more. Uh, let's take a look at two tight ends um, Dalton Schultz and Mike uh, Gesicki. Both of these guys <laughs> are probably looking at surpassing the Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith deals. Um, 
The Patriots signed Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith to two deals which exceeded all reasonable expectations. Um, these guys got $12.5 million per year. Hunter Henry's was three years. Jonu Smith's four years. Jonu Smith has the most money fully guaranteed in a tight end contract at $31.25 million. Henry has $25 million fully guaranteed. Now, these two guys have not been able to replicate what New England had about a decade ago in terms of production when they made Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez the two highest paid tight ends in the league. <laughs> so, um, there's seven tight ends making $10 million per year or more. These are two of them. <laughs> so, if I'm these guys, I'm looking at, hey, if these guys get $12.5 million per year, that should be my floor. Uh, Schultz has proven that last year wasn't a fluke. The only reason he got his job to start was because Blake Jarwin tore his ACL, right ACL, in the 2020 regular season opener. He had 63 receptions, 615 yards, and four touchdowns. Um, he was supposed to be the blocking tight end before the injury, but showed more receiving ability than anyone suspected he had. This year, uh, went into training camp, had to beat out Blake Jarwin to be the guy, and did. And he's uh, responded nicely. He's got 75 receptions, which is third among tight ends. 787 receiving yards, which is sixth among tight ends. Six receiving touchdowns, tied for six. 347 yards after catch, which is fifth. Now, the combined production of Hunter Henry and John U. Smith, at least from receptions and receiving yards standpoint, very comparable to what Dalton Schultz is doing on his own. 73 catches, 811 receiving yards for that duo. <laughs> if I'm him, I'm looking to get that type of money. Dallas, their cap situation, I'd be surprised if they stuck a franchise tag on him, even though it's $10.31 million. Gesicki, the Dolphins are going to have more cap room than anybody, so he's more likely to get the franchise tag. He's got 71 receptions, which is fourth among tight ends, 758 receiving yards, which is seventh, and two um, touchdowns. But I don't see any way that both of these guys uh, aren't looking to get more than um, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Because uh, I think they both uh, played themselves into that type of stratosphere. Okay, let's look at the uh, flip side now. Um, guys who are having um, less than ideal contract years. First guy we're going to start off with is Allen Robinson. Um, going into this season, despite inconsistent or mediocre, shaky quarterback play, however you wanted to phrase it. Allen Robinson had been one of the most productive receivers in the NFL over the past two years, 2019 and 20. Fourth most receptions at 200. Fourth most receiving yards, 2,397. This year has no chemistry with um, Justin Fields, his quarterback. I think his lack of production this year is more attributed to that than any diminishment in skills. He doesn't, he doesn't have to worry about getting franchised again, which he didn't like to begin with this year. Second franchise tag is going to be $21.556 million. 
You're not going to do that for someone in 11 games that he's played this year, has 36 catches, 388 receiving yards, and one touchdown. This is his worst season as a pro when he's been healthy. Now, when he was negotiating a contract extension with the um, Bears, and I think the last time they had serious negotiations, from my understanding, was early in the 2019 uh, regular season. And Keenan Allen had just signed a four-year, $80.1 million extension uh, with the Chargers with $50 million in guarantees. So even though this has not been a year anyone would want from a productivity standpoint in a contract year, uh, when you've been averaging 100 catches and close to 1,200 yards over the past two seasons, he's probably not going to change what his asking price has been. The question is, is someone going to pay him Keenan Allen-type money on the open market? Remember, it only takes one team. Galladay, Kenny Galladay last year, played five games with the Lions in 2020, still got $18 million per year, but it took a while, so... Um, we'll see with Allen Robinson. S- sticking with receivers, um, Juju Smith-Schuster um, ended up going back to Pittsburgh on a one-year, $8 million year, uh, one-year, $8 million deal, I should say, because the market didn't, didn't develop for him in free agency. He was reportedly looking for $15 million per year. So he goes back to Pittsburgh. Uh, for eight over one, the Ravens were going to pay him something comparable, maybe a little bit more. But he had that breakout 2018 season when he had 111 catches, 1,426 receiving yards, seven touchdowns. When Antonio Brown was focal point of defenses, focal point of defenses, all Juju has proven is he's not a number one receiver. 2020, he caught 97 catches. For just 831 receiving yards. That's 8.6 yards for catch. He's a slot receiver. This year, before he had seasoning soldier surgery after five games, 15 catches, 129 yards, no touchdowns, 8.6 yards per catch again. He didn't do anything this year to change his fortunes on a long-term deal unless he's going to change what he wants on a long-term deal and lower the salary expectations. But... He's a young guy, um, mid-20s. I would be looking to do another one-year deal, prove-it deal, go from there, put myself in the best position possible, and then try to capitalize um, in 2023 uh, free agency. Dwayne Brown uh, had a lengthy training camp hold-in, uh, was there every day to avoid getting fined $50,000 per day, but wasn't doing anything. And then ultimately, right before the start of the regular season, they uh, structurally changed his contract. He's still making $11 million that he's supposed to make, but 10 of it was base salary and a million was in per-game roster bonuses where if he got hurt, he could lose. If every game is not active, he loses money. So he turned $7 million of that into a signing bonus, got rid of the per-game roster bonuses, but Seattle had good reasons to balk on wanting to do an extension with him. He's 36 years old. And the only 
track record you have for a left tackle playing well late into his 30s is Andrew Whitworth, who just turned 40. He's still going strong with the Rams. But that's the outlier. And then this year, Dwayne Brown has allowed eight sacks, according to Pro Football Focus. And from 2017 to 2020, he allowed eight sacks in those years combined. (laughs) So this is one where I could see teams going, hey, just starting to catch up with him. He's finishing out a three-year, $34.5 million contract, averaging $11.5 million per year. I don't know if he can get that on the open market, the $11.5 million per year, because picking the wrong time for where teams can point to him and go, hey, the the age factor is starting to show up in the, in the production. So not the type of contract you, you want to have, um, in my opinion. Then we got a couple more guys left. Um, Leighton Van Der Esch for the Cowboys. His fifth-year option wasn't picked up for $9.145 million because of durability concerns. Then after they drafted Michael Parsons, that made it definite that they weren't going to pick up the option. He'd been a guy that went healthy, was an every-down linebacker. Uh, earned second-team all-pro honors as a rookie. Hasn't really played at that level since then. Cowboys cut Jalen Smith early in the year, and his playtime is at an all-time low. He's um, he's not every down guy anymore, playing 55.5% of the snaps. So Van Der Esch may have to go the way of a Jared Davis, um, who was another first-round pick. Uh, this year went to the Jets on a one-year deal at $5.5 million. Uh, up worth up to seven through incentive, sign the prove it deal, and then try to resurrect yourself and hopefully be in a position to capitalize um, in 2023. Same thing's going to apply to Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram was the 23rd pick in the 2017 draft. He's playing on a fifth year option this year for 6.013 million. Earned a Pro Bowl berth last year. Well, not necessarily know if he earned it, but he was selected to the Pro Bowl last year with 63 catches, 654 yards, and one touchdown. He benefited from the fact that the two guys who had been the mainstays, well, Zach Ertz for one, and George Kittle had injury plague seasons, so that opened up the door. This year, and the quarterback situation hasn't been good, particularly after Daniel Jones um, was shut down for the year. You've had Mike Glennon, Jake Fromm, but still, in 14 games, he's got 45 catches, 404 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. Gerald Everett left the Rams to go to the Seahawks on a one-year deal for $6 million, worth up to seven through incentives. Um, that's similar to the option year he's playing under. He may want to go that route and then see if he can be in a position to uh, – Get that upper echelon tight end money because I don't see there being a huge market at a high level for Evan Ingram. And the last guy we're going to take a look at is Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones came into the season in a timeshare of Leonard Fournette. Got in the doghouse early um, with Bruce Arians. Fumbles in the regular season opener and then mental mistakes and pass protection. He had 10 games with 10 or more carries in 2020. He's had three this year, and two of those have come after um, Fournette hurt his ankle. 
and he's not capitalizing on Fournette hurting his ankle. Um, now he's hurt his ankle as well, <laughs> um, but in the 16 games he's played this year, 101 yards, 101 uh, carries, 428 yards, four touchdowns. And this is a guy that was on the verge of a thousand yards last year, had very close to that in 14 games, averaging 5.1 yards per carry. So he might be looking at a one-year prove-it deal, try to find the best situation you can. Um, maybe if he could get a Kenyon Drake deal, which I think there's slim to none chance, he should jump at that. Drake left the Cardinals to go to the Raiders to be a change of pace, complimentary back to Josh Jacobs, $11 million over two years, worth up to $14.5 million with incentives. I just have a hard time seeing anything more than a one-year deal um, for Ronald Jones. Well, that's a look at uh, guys who have made the most of their contract year um, and guys who haven't since we are heading into the final game of the regular season. Um, don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, that's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L, and also read my RadioCBSSports.com column, Agent's Take. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next time. Goodbye.